Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise be to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. Over 100 episodes, almost 40 different ethnic backgrounds, living in almost 30 different countries. In just two seasons, the Niqabi Diaries podcast has brought you the stories of Muslim women across the globe. Women united in sisterhood by their commitment to the Deen of Islam. Welcome to season three of the Naqabi Diaries podcast, where, inshallah, we will continue to bring you the stories of the women behind the veil. The Naqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another episode of Naqabi Diaries, season three. And just a quick reminder, we also have a new blog now. You can get the link in the description, inshallah. So please do check it out. I write about issues related to the naqab, hijab, Muslim women, and any other relevant issues, inshallah. So today we have a sister with us. I've been very excited to talk to this sister, actually looking forward to talking to her for quite some time. Sister Omira, um, could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about your Islamic background, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Um, my name is Omira Ali, and a little bit about myself. I'm a personal trainer slash boxing coach. Uh, that's what I do for a living. Um, I've actually been Muslim for seven years now. I've actually rocked in a cop for five years, alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm currently a new mom and loving that life right now and uh what is there else uh you guys want to know well actually since you said you're a revert could you tell us how you came to islam that would be nice okay so actually um i guess i was a a boxer uh, at the time when i actually like embraced islam and there was a lot of things going on that I'm like, you know what, I just got to get back right with God. And, you know, I grew up a Christian, so I I, I went to the Bible to try to find answers of what I should be doing with my life and stuff like that. And I actually wasn't like when I was reading, like it was nothing that was like, as far as guidance, it was just like a lot of inspirational stuff, but not guidance. And, and it was an app at the time. It wasn't like a, a physical Bible. So I went to the app store, tried to download a different Bible there's many different versions of the Bible. And I thought maybe I wasn't reading the right Bible. And then the Quran was suggested. So I'm like, what's, what's, what's the Quran, you know? So I downloaded it. And, you know, the first page that I read, which uh, was Surah Fatiha. Mm-hmm. It was like, I need to find out more about what this book is. Because it was like, it answered a lot of my questions just within Fatiha like who my creator was, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Uh, you know, like I'm asking for guidance in that that particular ayah, I mean, sort of. And, um, you know, I'm asking to be like those that were that were guided before me and stuff like that. So it really was intriguing and I wanted to find out more. And that same day, I did a lot of research online and found out about the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And my only concern was, if there was worship of uh, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi like because in Christianity they kind of worship Jesus, so I didn't want the same, I didn't want the same dynamic. So mm-hmm. I went online, started asking questions. I was like, "Hey, do you guys worship Muhammad?" And it was like, "No, we don't worship Muhammad. We worship the Creator of Heaven's Earth. We worship the One True God." And I was like, "Okay, how do I become a?" And that's all I wanted to hear. Like, we don't worship a man. 
you know, because it just never felt, it never felt right for me worshiping Jesus, you know, saying that he was my Lord and Savior. I never felt right growing up. So that's basically how I became a Muslim. I read Surah Fatiha, and it made sense to me, and that's all it took for me. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah, that's amazing. So how, how long a period of time was you actually learning about Islam before you took your Shahada? I had no idea what Islam was, no idea what Muslims was, didn't know what a hijab was, didn't know what, nothing, like I was so, totally oblivious to Islam, you know, and I only came across it by doing that little bit, like maybe 30 minute research, you know, because I was already like growing up, I was already, you know, someone who went to church a lot, it was very like devout Christian, you would consider a devout Christian, but it was just that dynamic of worshiping Jesus that didn't sit well. So I was familiar with the names that were being mentioned, you know, in, in the Quran, Abraham, Noah, Moses. I was familiar with those people, you know? So it, I didn't have any knowledge of Islam before, beforehand, before I came across the Quran. SubhanAllah, that's amazing. That is really amazing, SubhanAllah. So, okay, uh, this might sound like a stupid question, but I've been born and raised in Britain. So I always ask, you know, African-American sisters when I speak with them, like especially reverts, because you mentioned that you didn't know anything about Islam at all. And for us in the UK, we always think that the African-Americans have, a, like, they, they have some kind of clue about Islam because Muhammad Ali, the boxer, and, you know, other African-American, like, prominent Muslims, you know, so, yeah, like, how is it that you didn't know anything about Islam? It's, it's still surprising to us when we hear this kind of thing. Yeah, like, so, yeah, you know, you know why? Because um, the way Islam was looked at um, when it came to, like, the Malcolm X's, the Muhammad Ali's, the, you know, they were a part of Islam that isn't considered a real Islam. It was more like a brotherhood type thing. So when people in the African-American community saw uh, people who were nation of Islam, it wasn't like, oh, that's a religion. You know, it was more like, oh, this is a, a black power group. This is some a group of men or group of people that's trying to uplift the black community. And we don't, we don't correlate it with believing in one God worshiping the true God, you know, you know, giving Sadaka, going to Hajj. That's not what we think about when we think of those type of Muslims. So that's the type of Muslim Muhammad Ali was at first. And that's the type of Muslim that I was aware of. Uh, also Malcolm X, I didn't learn that he became a real Muslim, a true Muslim, until I actually became Muslim. You know, I was thinking nation of Islam. So it's a big community of what they call a nation of Islam here in the U.S. that gets confused with the the true islam yeah absolutely that makes a lot of sense to me because the same thing um, i had a similar experience um when i became muslim um that's what my parents believed as well they believed that you know malcolm x and you know muhammad ali that it was like part of the nation of islam and then they thought like you know because i've become muslim that I was also joining nation of islam and i had to tell them well no that's not real islam at all so yeah that makes sense now saying that subhanallah so it's amazing because obviously these people you know malcolm x and muhammad ali they've left the legacy but still like there's still like i suppose some doubts um you know from non-muslims in the community over like which islam they're really following you know this is what happens when there's you know 
some kind of like crossover with truth and falsehood, I suppose, because of, of how they started off, but then how they ended up, you know, the people who aren't Muslim wouldn't know how to differentiate between the two. That's absolutely correct. Like, um, a lot of people, when once I told them I was Muslim, uh, there's a popular um, speaker, I don't want to call it, they, he, they call him a reverend, which is a church terminology, mm-hmm. but he, the you know, like the top guy for the Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan, yeah. and people think like, oh, you're a follower of Louis Farrakhan, I'm like, no, like, I feel like he's really a Christian concealing himself as a as a Muslim through mm. the nation, it's because it's a lot of things that are said. I'm like, that's not Islam. And I was like only a, a year or two into Islam knowing some of the stuff he said was just ridiculous. So I'm just like, it's crazy. A lot of people think I became nation of Islam. And I'm just like, no, because they equate African-Americans, Islam, you nation of Islam. Like that's that's how it is, you know? That's how, you know, people look at Islam like, oh, are you Arab? You know, thinking like that's an Arab thing, you know? Yeah. So that's how they look at black Muslims as people that 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 are associated with the nation of Islam. So I can totally relate with that. Yeah, subhanAllah. So tell us about your journey to the hijab and the naqab, inshallah. How was that for you, especially coming from the background of being a boxer? What was kind of your style of dressing as well? Like, did you find it easy to transition to start covering? Well, actually, it wasn't easy, but um, when I first became Muslim, I didn't know about hijab or anything like that. I didn't know about covering. Like I told you, I didn't know too much about Islam. I found out about praying the same day that I found out about Islam, like the the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, The group I was talking to, uh, they were called Ask a Muslim, and I actually work with this organization. Now we go out and give da'wah to people, but they... Um, they were telling me, like, you know, just worry about praying, just learn who your creator is, and just worry about praying and worry about anything else, everything else to come. So that's all I worried about. Um, I, I started a new job, and it was uh, two two Muslim girls that walked that walked in, and one had a hijab on, one didn't. And I'm like, I've seen this before. I've seen, like, hijabs before, and I'm like, was very curious. So I went up to them, like, are you guys Muslim? And they said yes. And I said, I'm Muslim, too. Mind you, I'm dressed in like business casual, you know, mm-hmm. button up, you know, just not looking like a Muslim at all. And one of them, the one that didn't have a hijab on, she looked me up and down and said, no, you're not. And that just, that's put a fire in me. Like, mm-hmm. what? how can you dare say I'm not Muslim? Like, I took my shahada. I pray five times a day. I know how to do. I was spitting out everything that I knew. Mm-hmm. And I only been Muslim for about three weeks at that time. You know, yeah, three, three or four weeks. It was, it was not even a month yet, you know. And this, this lady came out of nowhere saying I'm not Muslim, and now I understand why she didn't believe I was Muslim because you know I didn't have a hijab on. The way I just carried myself, it wasn't like oh, a Muslim. So even so, uh, even so, there's so many Muslims who don't wear hijab anyways, even born Muslims, and like she wasn't wearing a hijab, you know. The, the one like, that wasn't wearing a hijab was wow, the one so that made that claim, is. which was so funny to me. Wow. Yeah. So, so you just didn't look Muslim enough for her then? So, so the right what, shade? Right. SubhanAllah, that's terrible. So, so what got me, what intrigued me to want to wear the hijab was how she saw that I was devout 
in my prayers and stuff i'm like hey talking to the boss like hey supervisor i gotta go pray nobody else it was a bunch of muslims that worked there but nobody else was like hey i gotta go pray mm-hmm. you know and you know a couple of days later she came with some some information and stuff like that the next week she she came she started wearing her hijab like she came in started wearing her hijab and she she started talking to me about the hijab and i was like well look why do you wear it why do you wear it because i don't understand why i'm wearing it like i said the one thing that i don't want to do with being a muslim is just follow the in crowd like i did with my christianity Mm -hmm. like it was just like i don't want to do anything without understanding fully why i'm doing it i understood fully why i became a muslim because Mm -hmm. i was worshiping the one god you know that's that's why i became muslim i didn't become muslim because uh i wanted to marry some guy or i wanted to be associated with a rich family or some whatever reasons i just knew that god was guiding me at that moment so i didn't want to pick up anything else so when she went and researched the reason and why she you know was wearing a hijab and she brought the information to me then i'm like okay let me just wear a small hijab you know i was just wearing a little small ninja the one that goes under the scarf you yeah, know yeah. not even a hijab mm-hmm. and just just wearing just just wearing that still with my business casual you know but then I saw that people started acting a little differently around me in a positive way they started opening doors for me they started pulling out the chair for me to sit down they started doing they just started acting differently because I I carried myself different Mm. so I'm like okay so I'm like maybe I I should wear a a better looking hijab so I I graduated to the Kumar and then, you know, again, people were just having a positive vibe from me. Two years later, eventually, you know, I'm like every layer of uh, of clothing, uh, every layer of cloth, like the hijab to the kamar to the jubab to the actual niqab. I'm like, this was showing my level of faith, my level of commitment to the creator. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because it takes a lot of guts, you know, in today's society in America, being black as well. Mm-hmm. And you walk around looking like you from Saudi Arabia, you must be crazy. SubhanAllah. So it took a, it, it it took you know a lot of gaining knowledge about what I was doing, why I was doing it. That it, eventually I got to be able to embrace the hijab just from gaining knowledge, not because someone told me to do it, but because I understood why I was doing it. SubhanAllah. No, that's that's really beautiful. So when when did you finally? put the niqab on and what was your first experience like okay so I know the exact day you know that I was like you know what I'm I'm wearing the cob and I'm never taking it off um unless you know for health reasons or something but it was uh January like I became Muslim January 26th of 2015 mm-hmm. January 6th of 2017 I put the niqab on I was messing with it like playing with it you know, like take it off when I'm in public, but putting it on <laughs> behind closed doors, seeing how I look. Sometimes I would wear it to the masjid or something, but January 6th of 2017 is when I was like, okay, I'm going to keep the niqab on because I can't play with this. If if I say I'm doing this for the creator, I have to I have to be all in, you know? Mm-hmm. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. So um, where did you get where did you get your first niqab then? Like uh, actually it was donated by the, the same sister that when I first met her and we actually became good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
she gave me my first Nicole. And uh, I didn't purchase, like, when she saw that I was really serious about it, she she went and bought me a lot of Nicobs and, you know, kind of, like, helped me along with that. Because she, she, down the line, became a Nicobby, too. So... So it was it was really nice to have someone else that was like right there with you as well. You know, it wasn't like I was the only Nakabi, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for miles. Like she was right there with me. We worked together. You know, we hung together like everywhere. We would go riding bikes together with our Nakabs on. We would go bowling together, go skating together with our Nakabs on. So we we could continue to be ourselves. Just had the Nakab on. Something like that. That's that's good. Something. Oh, she, she actually was the first one to give me a nakab. Like I, you know, I used to I had created myself nakab, like put little coverings on my face and stuff. I didn't really have an official one. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Girl, I'm gonna get you a nakab. You, I, I see you really want to do this. I'm gonna get you a nakab." Yeah. Oh So okay, I haven't asked you about your family yet, and um, obviously you said that you coming from a Christian background. And I also come from yeah. a Christian background as well. When I became Muslim, it did not go down very well. So how was your experience like coming to Islam and, and in a short space of time then started to, you know, wearing hijab and then niqab and everything? How did your family react? Well, you know what? I was the type, I was the person in the family that was going through all these different phases anyway. So they looked at it as a phase. But now that I'm like going seven years strong, they like, mm-hmm. okay, this is really how she is. Like, you know, and they, they've embraced it. You know, they don't they don't speak bad about me or anything like that. Um, they just feel like it, it was something that they would have seen me be a part of, you know, from a young age anyway. And it seemed like it fits me, it suits me. Alhamdulillah. That's how they look at it. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Right. So have you ever faced any kind of abuse for wearing it at all like from anyone in you know the community or where you live um I can only recall like a couple times where you know people on the street like go back to your country (laughs) if only you knew you know my country was here I was like Mm -hmm. you know help me get my round trip ticket you know do you know what I mean I'll 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 go back to my country I I gotta go somewhere first to go back to my country because I am in my country Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Okay, so um, I want to ask about the boxing, okay? I, I, I'm desperate to know more about boxing. <laughs> and obviously, because you can become Muslim. So I've done boxing before, like just, you know, it's training and stuff like that. And I know a lot of Muslims, like mm-hmm. where I was living previously, that was involved in boxing, brothers and sisters as well. And um, usually when you tell people, oh, that you do boxing, they say, oh, boxing's haram, boxing's haram, because you're not allowed to hit in the face, okay? So we, and we just say, right. to them, well, you know, you, you, we're doing the training, it's part of like learning self-defense and things like that, you know, helps to build your confidence and these kind of things. So how do you navigate as a coach, um, because that was your job previously, how has the transition been for you as a coach, um, you know, coming from as a non-Muslim coach, and now you're a Muslim, like, how do you kind of navigate those two things at the moment with your clients? Well, you know, this is it's one of the things that I'm like, that's one of the reasons that I kind of stopped boxing for myself. Mm. But then again, it wasn't clear to me, you know, besides the one hadith that's saying that it wasn't clear to me, like, is this in a case of you fighting another Muslim brother or another Muslim sister? Or, you know, it was just, I mean, it wasn't unambiguous. Like, look, it was clear, you mm. know, like everything that's around me, Straight, black and white, everything that's halal, 
straight black and white, but there was some gray area with that particular thing. You know, if we're doing it for sport, like, is it, you know, it was something that kind of got me away from training and being a competitor myself to just coaching it. Yeah. You know, and I was like, is it haram for me to coach someone that wants to uh, pursue that career? You know, like, I don't know. It's not clear. No. We're supposed to stay away from stuff if it's uh, unclear. But this is something I'm willing to to stand on Judgment Day. Like, look, I was trying to use this platform to promote uh, Islam Mm -hmm. because it's it's not being promoted. I'm not promoting like, oh, I need need belts. I need money. I need fame. This is not the way I'm utilizing this platform. And some people are using that, utilizing that platform for that reason. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, Allah knows my intentions, but it is a tough situation if, like, someone comes to me and it's like, you know, it's haram, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, Actually, I don't know it's haram. Please explain to me. Yeah. Please give me a deep, because you know how I am from the beginning of the talk. I'm like, look, you can't just tell me I can't do something, or you can't just tell me I have to do something just because exactly. people before you said it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, a firm, I'm a firm believer. Like, you got to show me proof is in the pudding I need your hand to be digging in that pudding and Mm -hmm. pulling out that proof that's that's how I definitely that's one thing at least that I know about the and I don't even know the clear hadith as as well I can't sit here and say that I do I've heard them but to quote them off the top of my head now and all I know is that it's haram to hit in the face so when it came to the boxing we was doing we just said well any sports because I know that with a lot of scholars they will say that it's okay to do martial arts but then when it comes to boxing, they'll say, well, boxing is haram. And they will use the reason that, well, because boxing, you're hitting in the face. But you can do train in boxing without hitting people in the face because you can just use pads and things like that. And I've never hit mm-hmm. anybody in the face during, you know, training yeah. and things like that, you know. And it is obviously for self-defense purposes. So in real life, we know that in Islam, in real life, if somebody was to attack you and you hit them in the face, that's perfectly fine because you're defending yourself. You're defending your, you know, your rights, your family, whatever, your property and stuff. So, you know, right. it's, it's not like a completely black and white. Obviously, you have to do it within, it should be something within reason. But yeah, alhamdulillah. So if you're just training it, inshallah, like that's what I know. That's okay because self-defense. Yeah. Even in the martial arts, like martial arts, I've I've done a bit of um, karate before and a bit of taekwondo, and subhanallah, like those sports, you are taught to hit in the face as well. So it's just like, you know, there's different yeah, that's, that's even kicking in the face as well. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, do you... punch it right, kick. I'm just like knees, elbows. Come on, yeah, now. everything like literally. So that's that's martial arts is like well-rounded. Every every part of your body will be used to um to to inflict pain on any other part of somebody's body. So that's that's how it is. But yeah, boxing is obviously a lot more straightforward. So um, I think that's why mm-hmm. people sometimes I think it's like maybe misunderstanding it. But obviously, I think boxing generally as well has a lot more. Um, like it's had a lot more popularity and been more mainstream than other martial arts so people have seen that and you know when you when you watch matches or you know I remember like as a child growing up watching um, boxing matches and things like that and I remember there was a boxer who actually became brain damaged because of the um, you know one of the matches he was in and that kind of really put me off watching boxing as well and even when I knew that the boxing the boxing for sisters was available because of that kind of 
childhood experience, I didn't want to get involved in boxing, you know, but then eventually it was recommended to me from other sisters. And I thought, let me just give it a try and see how it is. And I literally, I absolutely loved it from the first session. I just thought it was just great. So like I was addicted, <laughs> like just after one <laughs> session, it was just like, yeah, that's it. This is the thing, you know? So alhamdulillah, I'm glad that I did it. And I, I do miss, um, I do miss <laughs> boxing with the sisters. It was just, it was just a nice experience, alhamdulillah. I, I do want to build a platform where like, you know, we just use it for training. Mm-hmm. And like, if someone wants to compete, I'm not going to prevent them from competing. You know, I would recommend like, look, do your research. If you feel like, especially if they're a Muslim, you feel like, hey, this is where you want to go. This is this is where I stand with it. Mm-hmm. I'm not completely sure of the haram, but there's people out there that that's going to tell you what you're doing is haram, you know. And that's that's why I'm gonna stand with it because I'm not gonna say no, you can't do it. No, I'm not gonna train you, you know, or or it's haram because I'm I don't have enough knowledge on that subject to prevent people. Yes, Allah. So may Allah, may Allah make it easy for us and increase our knowledge. I mean, so um, what about uh, like your experience? Like, do you work full time as a coach or do you have any other kind of job that you do? Yeah, so I am a full time coach. Like um, actually the gym that I'm working at are uh, hiring me on to be the full time um, boxing coach for the women's class. They, they're going, they're trying to uh, ramp up uh, and women you know, like classes. So they want me to be the head coach for the women's class for the boxing because I've been advocating for training women and stuff. Um, I've been really trying to advocate for women to come in and train and get in shape and be able to defend themselves, you Mm -hmm. know? Like even if you only know how to punch, that's better than not knowing anything. Yeah, of course, definitely. And especially like I think for for Muslim women, especially because I mean, I'm not sure what the community, the Muslim community where you are is, but um, is like, um, but, you know, for a lot of Muslim women, they don't have these kind of opportunities to go to safe spaces where they can actually, you know, practice sports and things like that. So it's good when sisters are involved in these things, because then we have somebody like that's already like you know it's on our side basically so it makes it easier for us to, to get involved in these kind of things alhamdulillah so h- how has that been as well like you was wearing, yeah. like obviously being a non-muslim man you was coaching and now you're wearing the niqab and everything so like how have your non-muslim clients um you know kind of how have they kind of been when it comes to interacting with you have you noticed any kind of changes do they find it strange or did it off-putting or anything like that Actually, because of my nickname or um, because of my coach name, I've become a little more appealing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also because I'm a female, it's mm-hmm. like female coach got a different dynamic when they're training. But overall, I have been uh, more of a um, a commodity because I'm different. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, oh, my goodness, she's a good boxer. But look, she's wearing all these clothes. Like, it's crazy that she's able to do all this. So it, I, I look at it as wearing a cob and doing this as a plus because it's not something you see all the time. Yeah. It'd be different if I wore hijab and not cover my face because you're starting to see a lot more Muslim women wearing a hijab and are competing in different sports. Yeah. But you're seeing a lot of Nakabi women, mm-hmm. especially in the US, that are competing or doing things that are related to sports. Allah. Yeah, you know what, and I think the reason that uh, people are uh, intrigued to to train with me is because I'm I'm very technical. Mm. You know, some people will let you just 
go into the ring or you know go and spar or something with no with no foundation you get in there and get beat up as long as you're going tough you know what i'm saying and that's what males do yeah they, they're a lot of a lot of males when it comes to these types of sports aren't very technical they're like giving and going there give me grit give me hard work give me sweat you know and that's good enough for me you know you're gonna sweat you're gonna give me grit and stuff but you're gonna be technically sound I'm not going to let you go in there and get beat up. I'm going to let you go in there and you're going to look nice. You're going to look slick. Mm-hmm. You're going to look smooth. And you're still going to be able to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that. So um, what about, um, how would you, would you describe the niqab as being a barrier? And if so, in which sense? Okay. Um, I'm not going to get a typical answer. I look at it as a, a, a positive barrier mm-hmm. because it has prevented so many um, so many situations of uh, misconduct between mm-hmm. a man and me yes. that I see that other women, other women get, and I'm just like this same man that was saying horrible things to this one woman talked very respectfully to me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the type of barrier it's been. It's been a, a good barrier. It's been a barrier to block out that type of uh, interaction. It's, it's helped me more than it's harmed me. The only time it really harmed me is when I first start, start transitioning into being a, a, a like an athlete. You know, I didn't really have like, cause I, I don't use the niqab when I'm in the gym. I got like these little little things I found on Amazon that are breathable that like motorcyclists use under yeah, their helmets. Yeah, so I kind of use that now. Mm-hmm. But before it was it very it was very hard for me to breathe. It was like you know, but because I'm like well why am I wearing it I kept going back to why am I wearing it so that barrier just went away it's like oh it's no longer a hindrance to me because then I'm in in the midst of working out like oh my goodness I can't breathe I want to take this off and I'm thinking like but why do you got it on I always go back to what what was my reasoning for putting it on and you're going to take it off so you can just take a couple of you know gags of air and that's it it's it's not worth it so I'm just like I, I stay grounded with that, but the barrier uh, isn't isn't a bad one for me. Okay, alhamdulillah. And um, what about travel? Have you experienced traveling at all wearing the niqab? Yeah, you know what? It wasn't it wasn't like overseas um, or anything, but it was from uh, Boston um, to to Ohio where I live, okay. and it was just like. I was going through the line. There was this lady that had a hat on, had a scarf on, like a, a regular head scarf, you know. She was in front of me. You know, she went right through. And when I went through, they pulled me aside. I'm just like, I have, I was recording myself standing in the line, you know. Yeah. Like, look, you guys, I'm about to go through the metal detector. This is my first time as Maccabi. You know, let's see how it goes. And they got, they gave me the shakedown. They gave wow. me the shakedown. It was it was crazy feeling all in my hair. It was like, oh, what's that? What's the? What? Uh-huh. I was like, that's my hair, you know. Like it was like, oh, and what about this part? And I was just like, why are y'all doing this? It's like, no, this is just procedure. I'm like, for wow. who? You didn't shake this other leg. Like I was, yeah, I really had to get a shakedown. But uh, traveling is definitely something that you know, just based off that experience, like I, I know it's gonna be an issue if I travel by plane mm. um, in the future. Inshallah, inshallah, it will be better. I hope not, because I, I, I've spoken yeah. to a few sisters from the States, and it's like, it seems kind of almost 50-50, and maybe depending on which airport you uh-huh. go to, some places, 
people are really um you know people that like the sisters have gone through quite easily and in some cases they haven't so I think it just depends so it's finalized it's one of those things isn't it it depends who you, yeah. you, you encounter on the day maybe I don't know Spanola. and there's just some people they just literally get pulled every time yeah. to the airport regardless yeah so I haven't been enough you know I do a lot of road travel but I haven't been uh, you know like on a you know on a plane a lot mm-hmm. since I've worn the top I've done a lot of just road over the road tra- yeah. uh, travel Alhamdulillah. 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 Okay, inshallah. So, um, yeah, so in your experience within the Muslim community, have you noticed any difference um, in how sisters who wear the hijab get treated compared to sisters who wear the niqab? Um, you know what? When I first started wearing the niqab, like, I was being told left and right, not to wear it like I shouldn't be I shouldn't wear it it's not a requirement it's not an obligation like take it off you putting yourself in danger I was being really like like they were neglecting the fact that I was doing it because I wanted to and they were just discouraging me from wearing it um as far as like the comparison of hijabis to nakabis I don't I haven't experienced a big difference except for like they kind of interact with me a little more respectful than than I, I would say a hijabi and usually because it's a hijabi that's got like full-blown makeup on and eyelashes and stuff like that and they see me and they're like oh she's modest she's more modest so maybe in that sense but not not a whole lot I have seen it on occasions like how some brothers interact with me um, some sisters interact with me in a masjid. Once they, you know, they see you, you in a kabi, you know, they interact with you a little different, but not, not in a, not in a big dynamic way. Not, not, not a whole lot, to be honest. Okay, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And um, just in general as well, how have you, um, how do you feel that you've blended into the Muslim community, like from, you know, your non-Muslim background? How has that been? Um, I guess I fit in quite well because I was already quite learned on all the prophets and a lot of the history of, of our prophets and stuff like that. That's what helped me, you know, compared to someone who he didn't have a religious background. So that helped me because like the stories were similar. Maybe they had to be tweaked a little bit because the Christian belief, but I was able to like, kind of like blend in because of that. You know, I, I believe if I didn't have a religious background, it would have been a little harder for me learning everything, you know, talking to people about certain things. And um, it's actually helped me to be able to be a part of a, a Dawah group okay. where they embrace me. They embrace me like, look, you know a lot about Christianity. So we need you to be an advocate, to speak, mm-hmm. you know, to these Christians and let them know why, like, you became Muslim. Why did you become Muslim? You know, like, so that's, that's really helped me out. Um, having a Christian background helped me blend in with the community. Alhamdulillah, that's really good. Alhamdulillah. So um, what about your experience with Muslim sisters? Have you have you met any sisters who were forced into wearing the naqab? Uh, actually, I do know a sister, but she just recently put it back on, like, uh, 
she was a refugee from Somalia. Okay. And uh, I guess they were wearing a niqab for, you know, in their teenage years. They were wearing a niqab in their teenage years. Mm-hmm. And their dad, once they moved to the States, they were like, no, you can't wear it. You can't wear it. I refuse to let you wear it. All three of the sisters wore niqab. And he told them that they could not, they were not allowed to wear it. Right. Um, but as they got older, you know, they got married and stuff like that. Um, one of the sisters was like, you know what? Because she sees me, I, I come over all the time. And she see that I'm not really struggling. I don't, she she would ask. She would ask, like, you know, no one no one gives you a hard time. Uh, like, you know, how is it wearing the cop? You know, and around the time that she really wanted to put it back on, she was really diligent about asking questions about the niqab. Mm-hmm. Where did you get your niqab from? Uh, you know, you don't get hot or anything like that. I'm like, you used to wear the niqab. You know these things. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, it's been a while. Next thing I know, she's wearing the niqab again. So, alhamdulillah, she did it for herself, did it for Allah SWT, and didn't do it for her parents. That's the only person that I've come across that was actually forced to take it off. No one that I know that was like forced to put it on though. Okay. That's really good. So you've even helped to inspire other sisters, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Alhamdulillah. So um what advice would you give to sisters who um, you know, like similar to what you just mentioned, they really want to wear the niqab, but they feel they don't feel the confidence to wear it. Okay. Um the first thing with anything that I would advise not just wearing a niqab but with anything is make your intentions for yourself and for the creator anything that whatever you're doing every when any, any big step you want to take in your life that you're doing it for the sake of God and then it will be easy for you because then you won't care about the judgment of your family the judgment of the society the judgment of your spouse or whatever you know you're if you're doing it for the sake of Allah's Fantala, it will be easy for you. It will be easy. I know for sure it will be easy. Um, that's that's just that's the advice I would give. Like, make your intentions not because you like the way it looks, uh, you, you think you're gonna get a husband quicker that way, or uh you you want you want men to avoid you or whatever. Make your intention for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to please him like I'm doing this to please you so can you please make it easy for me and it will be granted to you inshallah 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 and lastly sister what does the niqab mean to you um it actually means um it means perseverance to me like anyone who is you know all the sisters that are wearing the niqab um whether it's their choice or they just grew up in the culture it takes a certain type of mindset a certain type of perseverance a certain level of patience to be able to wear something that the whole world say you know has an issue with this is and also some people think it think it's a a obligation some others think it's, it's it's optional but it's still that dynamic that like it's a difficulty that 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 a certain mindset has to have so you have to have that that level of perseverance and that's what it means to me like I'm persevering every day that is I'm struggling you know I'm persevering and that's what it means to me thank you so much for giving your time it's oh, yeah. a pleasure talking to you and listening to your really inspiring story mashallah 
I appreciate you having me. Alhamdulillah. Um, I really enjoy uh, talking with you and I look forward to maybe having future chats with you, inshallah. Inshallah, absolutely. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister.